uh, my text this, this afternoon is the 46th chapter of Isaiah. Isaiah 46, verses 9 and 10. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Do you think it would really affect our lives and our relation to God and to Christ if we really knew and really believed that God had made a record of our life before we ever came into existence. You think such a thing could actually be possible? Well, turn with me if you have your Bibles. I hope you all have your Bibles. And turn with me to the book of Daniel and I'd like to read something to you that's very interesting. Daniel, the 10th chapter. Daniel 10, and it's the 21st verse. Daniel 10, 21. But I will show thee that which is noted in the scripture of truth. Now when... Uh, Daniel came, when, uh, this, when Gabriel came, uh, you'll, you'll find this in the same chapter, the 11th verse, and he said unto me, this is the angel Gabriel, you go back and you'll find uh, that, uh, that this is his talking to Daniel. And he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee, and stand upright, for unto thee am I now sent. And when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. And then he went on, and, and he said that he had come to give him knowledge. The 14th verse, Now I am come to make thee understand what shall befall thy people in the latter days. For yet the vision is for many days. Now this is the interpretation of the vision that was given in Daniel 8. Daniel didn't receive any more visions after that. Now... The 21st verse says, And I will show thee that which is noted in the scriptures of truth, in the scripture of truth, and there is none that holdeth with me in these things but Michael your prince. Now here the angel Gabriel was come to tell Daniel about some things that were going to happen and to interpret his dream, and he says, I'm going to show you something that's in the scripture of truth. Now is that the Bible? Well, how is it that nobody knows what's in that book but Michael and Gabriel? What? It's a book of records. It's a book in heaven that he was brought. He brought some things out of. And I want you to know that there's a that there's there are just things in that book that would be unbelievable. If you turn turn with me now to another verse, and this is the 139th. Psalm. Psalm 139. 139 Psalm. And I'm going to start reading with the 14th verse. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. 
My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. Now what does that say? It says all about my members was written in that book before they were what? Before I ever came into being. Psalm 139, verses 14 to 16. Well, you know, there are a lot of things. Uh, do you remember that? Uh, I won't turn to read this. This would be good something for you to look up. Moses was praying one time, and, and he said that his tears were all in the book. All right, now I'll read you another, uh, I'll read you another statement, and this is from the Bible Commentary. Now, we're just trying to get our minds stimulated a little bit. I, I want you to think about this because this, this brings things into real, into real focus, you know. Uh, Bible commentary. Let me get my reference here. Well, it's, it's on the book of Job. I'll, I'll give you the reference. Uh, it's volume 3, 3 B.C. 1141. I read this once before. Nothing can happen in any part of the universe without the knowledge of him who is omnipresent. Not a single event of human life is unknown to our Maker. While Satan is constantly devising evil, the Lord our God overrules all so that it will not harm his obedient, trusting children. The same power that controls the boisterous waves of the oceans can hold in check all the power of rebellion and of crime. God says to the one, as to the other, Thus far shalt thou go and no farther. Now I want you to notice this. This is, this is uh, volume 3, 1141. What lesson of humility and faith may we not learn as we trace the dealings of God with his creatures? The Lord can do so little for the children of men because they are so full of pride and vainglory. They exalt self, magnifying their own strength, learning, and wisdom. It is necessary for God to disappoint their hopes and frustrate their plans that they may learn to trust in Him alone. When we make our own plans, what does God have to do to it? He has to frustrate them in order for us to know what? That He has plans for us. All our powers are from God, and we can do nothing independent of the strength which He has given us. Where is the man or woman that God, or child that God does not sustain? Where is the desolate place which God does not fill? Where is the want that anybody that any but God can supply? Now then, uh, I know the question that every one of us will have in our minds. You mean to tell me that God has really outlined the history of this world before it was ever made? That would take a lot of time, wouldn't it? Would it? 
Well, has God had time to do it? Has God had time to outline everything in this world? You remember when we were studying the nature of man and God's purpose in creating him that we found that who was the first created being? Lucifer. But we found something was created before Lucifer. And what was that? A sanctuary. A sanctuary. And the sanctuary is God's place that he ordained from eternity that sin was, would be taken care of. The sanctuary has a special relation to human beings because that's where the, well, that's where the atonement is ta takes place for us. Now, Christ's atonement was made on earth. He took care of that. But his atonement for us and his giving to us the power that we need is in the sanctuary. Now, I read this statement. I, I don't know whether uh, it got through to all of us or not, but uh, I want to read it again. This is the last comment on the book of Hebrews. And if you want to think that God has had time to do all this, there's this commentary. 7 B.C. 934. Let those who are oppressed under a sense of sin remember that there is hope for them. The salvation of the human race has ever been the object of the councils of heaven. The what? What has ever been the object of the councils of heaven? Then has there been a lot of time spent? And who entered, who, who's in the councils? Who are in the councils of God? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And the counsels of God have always been regarding what? The salvation of the human race. Let's remember that the human race has always been God's problem. It's the only problem he's ever had. Of course, he had Lucifer. He couldn't do anything with Lucifer. Lucifer rebelled, and uh, he couldn't help Lucifer. Because Lucifer rebelled under conditions in which there was no hope of his ever returning in the undimmed light of God's presence. But there was, there was hope for the human race. They sinned without all the knowledge that Lucifer had. And God's plan and his, his counsels from all eternity have been regarding the salvation of the human race. Do you think that they have had time then to, to plan our lives? You see, the very fact that we're here is proof of the fact that God has planned that we should be here. Some people think that, that people are just accidents. No, they're not accidents. Nobody is born as an accident. I'll tell you that. Because every child that's born is the result of God's providence and God's power. There is no life without Him. And the fact that we're here today and that every human being is here today is the fact that God gave them life and he has a purpose for them. Now, let me read a few statements from the Spirit of Prophecy regarding uh, God's plan of life. Uh, I, have, I have many of them, but I'll just read a few. First one is page 126. I mean 226, I'm sorry, 226 Education. Education 226. God's plan of life has a place for every human being. Has what? 
Each is to improve his talents to the utmost. And faithfulness in doing this be the gifts few or many entitles one to honor. One to honor. It, in God's plan, there is no place for selfish rivalry. None of you could ever take my place. And I can't take any of your place. Now, there's only one way anyone will ever take my place. You know how that, what that is? If I fail to do my work, God is going to have somebody else do it. Have you, ever, have you ever read in the Bible where it says, Take heed that no man take thy crown? Well, if somebody takes my crown, what have they done? They've done my work because the crown goes with the work. And every one of us have a crown, and we're going to get that crown unless we frustrate God's plan for us. But God isn't going to let the work go undone. And in his providence, if I fail, he has somebody to step in and do it. But I'm glad that he's not going to let anybody take my place unless what? Unless I fail to do it. Page 178 of this book, Education, there's another statement. Middle paragraph. The history of nations that one after another have occupied their allotted time and place unconsciously witnessing to the truth of which they themselves know, knew not speaks to us. To every nation and to every individual of today, God has assigned a place in his great plan. To every what? Every nation and to every individual, God has assigned what? A place in his great plan. Today, men and nations are being measured by the plummet in the hand of him who makes no mistake. All are by their own choice deciding their destiny, and God is overruling all for the accomplishment of his purpose. Folks, you and I are inclined to be too concerned and worry too much about God's plan. Is it going to be done? Is God's work going to be finished? Yes, his work's going to be finished. It's going to be finished on time. It's going to be finished in his own way. And the only thing that I really need to be concerned about, am I going to find my place in his plan so I can do my work? You see, it's real simple. When everybody in the world does his work, what's going to happen? It's going to all be done. It's going to all be over. It's just that simple. Now, uh, let's... There, there, as I said, there are many statements on divine guidance, and I'll give you, I'll give you just, uh, I mean, on uh, God's plan for our lives, and I'll give you just uh, a few of them. I have, uh, I have a good many here. Uh, let's, let's turn to ministry of healing. I'm sure you're all acquainted with this statement. Ministry of healing, page four hundred and seventy-nine. Well, let's go, let's go back to the, uh, 
Well, this, I'll read this one. This is, this is all right. That wasn't the one I was thinking about. 479 of, Desire of uh, Ministry of Healing. This is also Desire of Ages 208, if you want them. Both of them say exactly the same thing. Christ, in his life on earth, made no plans for himself. He accepted God's plans for him, and day by day the Father unfolded his plans. When did Christ get his instruction? Every day. So should we depend upon God that our lives may be the simple outworking of his will. As we commit our ways to him, he will direct our steps. Too many in planning for a brilliant future make an utter failure. Let God plan for you. Do what? Wouldn't it be so simple if I just knew that I, I didn't have to plan my life and direct everything in my life? Wouldn't it be real simple? Well, it is that simple. We don't have to plan for anything. Really. Now, until we come to the place where we can let God plan for us, we go through chaos. And it's not easy. It's not easy to let God plan your life. You know what it does to you? It makes you think you don't amount to anything. And after all, we don't amount to anything except as God plans for us. Have you ever felt that you just were not accomplishing very much and if you just had a little better job, you'd just do a little better way? Have you ever felt, well, I'm just at the bottom of the totem pole. If I could just get up a little higher, I'd be doing so much better. You see, there's an answer to all these things on page 476 of Ministry of Healing. Let those who feel that their work is not appreciated and who crave a position of greater responsibility, consider that promotion cometh not neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south. But God is judge. He putteth, up, well, he putteth down one and setteth up another. Every man has his plan in the eternal plan of heaven. Every man has his place in the eternal plan of heaven. Whether we fill that place depends upon our own faithfulness in cooperating with God. Volume 7 has a very interesting statement about people having their place. Volume 7. I'll give you the page right now. Page 25. With intense interest, God is looking on this world. He has noted the capacity of human beings for service. Looking down the ages, he has counted his workers. He has what? Counted his workers. Both men and women, and has prepared the way before them, saying, I will send my messengers to them, and they shall see great light shining amid the darkness. One to the service of God, they will use their talents to the glory of his name. Looking down the ages, what has God done? 
he has he has prepared his workers. You see, uh, well, let's uh, let's turn to the book of Jeremiah. This is a very interesting verse because this is typical. Remember, God is no respecter of persons. Turn to the first chapter of Jeremiah, and let's see what God said about Jeremiah. This was very. Jeremiah 1, verse 5, verse 4, and verse 5. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nation. You know, we talk a lot about genes and chromosomes and heredity and all this. I want you to know, folks, when God wants a job done, He knows how to put them together. And he has put every one of you together just in the right way for a real special one. Now, the question is, what's the next question? <laughs> it was what? All right. What is the real question then? If God has a place for us, if, he ha if he, we have our plan... And it, we've been, it's been his plan from eternity to, for us to do a work. How is it that uh, uh, we're going to find that plan? Isn't that the real question? Now, I read this statement from, about the science of true education. I want to read just a little statement there. And I, this is, the, this is the one that says, Now, as never before, we need to understand the true science of education. This is taken from the Christian educator. I'm going to try, try to have this reproduced because all of you need a copy of this, uh, of this whole uh, statement. The, paragraph, uh, the third paragraph uh, from the last, second paragraph in this says, I must tell you from the light given me of God, I know that much time and money are spent by the students in acquiring a knowledge that is chaff to them. For it does not enable them to help their fellow men to form characters that will fit them to unite with, with saints and angels in the higher school. In the place of crowding youthful minds with a mass of things that are distasteful and that in many cases will never be of any use to them, a practical education should be given. Time and money are spent in gaining useless knowledge. The mind should be carefully and wisely taught to dwell upon Bible truth. The main object of education should be to gain a knowledge of how we can glorify God, whose we are by creation, by redemption. The result of education should be to enable us to understand the voice of God. What's the result of education? You know, uh, the thing that really started me studying on this, several years ago I was studying and, uh, and I ran across this statement in the, in the book, Fundamentals of Christian Education, and it really shocked me. I tell you, it just set me back, and I thought, well, what, where have I been, and what's, uh, what have I been doing?
page 347 of Fundamentals of Christian Education. Many who are seeking efficiency for the exalted work of God by perfecting their education in the schools of men will find that they have failed of learning the, learning the more important lessons that the Lord would teach them by neglecting to submit themselves to the impressions of the Holy Spirit. By not living in obedience to all God's requirements, their spiritual efficiency has been weakened. They have lost what ability they had to do successful work for the Lord. By absenting themselves from the school of Christ, they have forgotten the sound of the voice of the teacher. Teacher's capitalized, and he cannot direct their course. Here's somebody that's gone, that's gone through school, and the one thing they should have learned was what? To know the voice of God. I was talking to a young man one time, and uh, he just he just gotten his master's degree from college, from university, and we were talking. And I said, "Well, by the way," I said, "What did you major in?" He said, "Guidance." Oh, I said, "You did." I said, that really interests me. I've been interested in guidance for a long time. I said, I'm sure you know exactly what the Lord wants you to do. He said, that has nothing to do with it. I said, what? I said, you majored in guidance and God has nothing to do with it? Oh, no. He said, we take tests with people and get find out just exactly what they're fitted to do and then we put them in the place where they are the best fitted. And I said, God has nothing to do with it. He said, oh, no, this has nothing to do with God. I said, well, that's interesting. You know, it's a funny thing. God has never, very many times, ever, ever let me do the things I really wanted to do. Now, I've come to the place over and over in my life where I like to do what God wanted me to do, but I didn't start out that way. In fact, I'm, I'm doing just what I want to do now. I enjoy teaching. But it didn't start that way. When I finished school, there were three things that I was not going to do. Number one, I wasn't going to be a call porter. Number two, I wasn't going to be a teacher. And number three, there was a place I wasn't going, and that was a place called Fountainhead in Tennessee. My sister had gone there, and I'd been there, and I just didn't like, I didn't like it above all places. And, uh, and those were the three things that I had made up my mind I wasn't going to do. You want to guess what happened? Well, I went to Callport to work first. And I went to teach at Fountainhead after that. And I've just got news for you. Don't any of you say you don't want, you're not going to do anything. Amen. Because I know you're going to do it. Because anything you say you don't, are not going to do, it's real dangerous. And I have since said a lot of things that I wouldn't do. And you know what? I've done every one of them. I once said I was never going to Michigan, you know. I went to Michigan and I, the Lord kept me there till I liked it. And believe, one, believe me one thing or another, I, I've said I will never go to Wildwood. 
which you see on here. And as far as I know, there's nothing I, I know of now that I say I'm not going to do. And there's no use. Well, now, what does this all have to, about guidance? All right, this says that people have gone to school, and when they got through with school, they were less capable of working for God than they were when they started because they had forgotten what? The sound of the voice of the teacher, and he could not direct their steps. Now, let's get a verse or two from the Bible. Let's go to the 32nd Psalm. Now, I'm sure you know a lot of uh, verses on divine guidance in the Bible, and I'll read a few of them. I hope you folks will begin to study some of these things and do some, do some real research because you're going to come up with some interesting things. All right, page uh, uh, Psalm 32, verses 8 and 9 says, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. Now, who's talking? God is talking. The Lord is talking. I will guide thee with what? Well, do you know what the eyes of the Lord are? What? What? Now, you have to talk a little louder. I can't hear you. Well, yes. Uh, the Holy Spirit uh, have to do with the eyes of God. But, uh, well, what do eyes represent? What are eyes? They're what you see with, sure. They're what you see with. And, and does God see different from what we do? What does He see? Huh? Why, sure, He sees everything. And he is, he's, everything that's necessary for us to know, He has given to us. And the eyes of God are represented by the prophecies he's given us, by the Bible, the future that he's given, out, given to us. He says, I will guide you with what? Mine eyes. He's given us instruction so we know which way to go. He's told us all about it. But you know, if we don't, if we don't let him guide us with his eyes, or if we don't follow the instruction he's given us, he has other ways. The next verse says, Be not as a horse or as the mule which have no understanding. The next verse says, Be not as a horse or as the mule which have no understanding. Any of you ever ride horses? Anybody here ride a horse? Do you know what a cinch bit is you put on a wild horse? It's one with a long shank on it and you can just about twist their jaw off, you know. Well, the Lord says, I don't want to have to put a cinch bit on you. I want to guide you with what? My eyes. Don't be like the horse or the mule which have no understanding. You let me guide you the simple way. Of course, I've had the cinch bit on me. Have you ever had it on you? It's not easy. It's painful. But I'm glad he's willing to do that, aren't you? But the time is coming, and I hope it's closer than any of us think, when we don't have to have bits on us anymore. When we're, when we're guided by God in the way that he wants, he wants to guide us. Now... There's, uh, there are many texts. There's, there's another one in Jeremiah, the 11th chapter, that really tells us that we're not able to direct ourselves. 
Jeremiah 10, verses 23 and 24. O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. In the next verse, you see how these things come in? O Lord, correct me, but with judgment, not in thine anger, lest thou bring me to nothing. We want to learn to follow the Lord willingly. Because if we don't, we get into all kinds of problems. In fact, if we would let the Lord guide us and we would follow Him without any question, most of our problems would disappear. Did you know that? It's because God has to use hard methods on us that we have so many difficulties. He'd like to guide us in an easier way. All right? Now, in... The book, Desire of Ages. I want to read two statements that are the best statements I know on divine guidance. I have quite a few of them and we'll try to get into some of them. But before I read that, I should read you the statement, The Ways God Guides Us. Because we're talking about divine guidance. And this probably should come in here. Page 512 of Volume 5 of the Testimonies. 5, volume 5 of the Testimonies, page 512. There are three ways in which the Lord reveals His will to us to guide us and to fit us to guide others. There are how many? Three, three ways. How may we know His voice from that of a stranger? How shall we distinguish it from the voice of a false shepherd? God reveals His will to us in His Word, the Holy Scriptures. How is one of the ways God leads us? Guides us? Through the Holy Scriptures. His voice is also revealed in His providential workings. And it will be revealed and it will be recognized if we do not separate our souls from Him by walking in our own ways, doing according to our own wills, and following the promptings of an unsanctified heart until the senses have become so confused that eternal things are not discerned and the voice of Satan is so disguised that it is accepted as a voice of God. Now, this says that we will be, we'll be guided by God if we listen to Him, but there's a danger that our minds will become confused and what might we do? We might confuse God's voice with Satan's voice. And the first paragraph in the book Counsels to Teachers Page 11, the first paragraph in Counsels to Teachers, Higher education is an experimental knowledge of the plan of salvation, and this knowledge is secured by earnest and diligent study of the Scriptures. Such an education will renew the mind and transform the character, restoring the image of God in the soul. It will fortify the mind against the deceptive whisperings of the adversary. What will? Now what are we talking about? Higher education is an experimental knowledge of the plan of salvation. What are we talking about? Well, what is higher education? What is it? Yes. It's an experimental knowledge of the plan of salvation. It's knowing Jesus Christ. It's conversion. It's having a relationship to God. This is true higher education. Our mind is in communion with the mind of God. 
Such an education will renew the mind and transform the character, restoring the image of God in the soul. It will fortify the mind against the deceptive whisperings of the adversary and enable us to understand the voice of God. Then true education, higher education, is going to make us know how know what? To distinguish between the voice of Satan and what? Will you think that? Yes. At page 11 of Council's Teacher, the first page. All right, now back to this statement. Another way in which God's voice is heard is through the appeals of His Holy Spirit making impressions upon the heart which will be brought out in the character. If you are in doubt upon any subject, you must first consult the Scriptures. If you have truly begun the life of faith, you have given yourself to the Lord to be wholly His, and He has taken you to mold and fashion according to His purpose, that you may be a vessel unto honor. Now, once to get these three ways that God leads us, what's the first way? Or the by the Scriptures. What is the second way? By the providences, the providential workings of God. And what's the third way? By the impressions of the Holy Spirit upon our minds. But there's a danger in impressions because what? Who else can give us impressions? But we're to distinguish between the two. And that's what education is for. And if we've just learned one thing in this class, it will have been worthwhile if we understand how to, under, how to recognize the voice of God. Now, I've been around a long time. And I've been in institutional administration a long time. And I've visited a lot of people. I've traveled a lot. And every time I get come to someone and talk to them, do you know what the first thing somebody asks me? Well, Brother Martin, what do you think I ought to do? And do you know what I tell them? It's all I can do to find out what God wants me to do. <laughs> I have nothing left for anyone else. God never gave me the job of telling other people what to do. He did help me to help them understand how they can find God's knowledge voice. And that's what I'm really interested in. Now let's get this. There are three ways God leads us. What are they? The scriptures. There are some things I don't need to inquire about God, about for God. I remember my father telling a story one time. He was uh, holding meetings and a very affluent woman uh, in, from high society came out and attended the meetings and, and she was very interested till he came to the Sabbath and uh, then when she heard the Sabbath she didn't like that she was gone for a few meetings and then she came back and after meeting she came up to my father and she said Elder Martin I tell you what I would like to have you do I would like to have you pray with me that God will give me a sign if I should keep the Sabbath Well, I'll never forget his answer. It was a pretty. It, would, it may sound pretty crude, but uh, I never forgot this. It really impressed itself on my mind. And he said, "Sister, do you want me to get down on my knees and say, Lord, did you mean what you said, or were you just joking?" When God has said to do something, do we have to question whether we should do it or not? And the Holy Spirit brings conviction to our mind. In fact, 
Did you know that it's very dangerous to pray about something that we might want to do that the Lord has said not to do? Did you ever, do you know of anybody that prayed and wanted to do something the Lord had told them not to do? Do you remember anybody in the Bible that did that? Balaam. And do you know where Balaam ended up? He ended up dying with the with those who had received witchcraft. He became turned from a from a prophet of God to one that was possessed with a devil. And he did it because he wanted to do what God had told him not to do. Now you might be interested in this statement. This is page one hundred nine of uh, Councils on Health. In the face of the most positive commands of God, men and women will follow their inclinations and then dare to pray over the matter to prevail upon God to allow them to go contrary to His expressed will. Satan comes to the side of such persons as he did to Eve and Eden and impresses them. They have an exercise of mind, and this they relate as a wonderful experience which the Lord has given them. This is pretty deadly, folks. It's real deadly. If I know something, if God has told me to do something, the Bible, it says, is not yea or nay, but it's yea and amen. If God says to do something, then what does He mean? He means that we should do it. And don't ever ask God if He really wants you to do what He's told you to do already. This is a real deadly thing. You all understand what I'm talking about? You don't have to ask divine guidance over something. If you have two decisions to make and one is something God's told you to do and something God has not told you to do, you don't have any decisions to make as to whether you should do one or the other. You just have to decide whether you're going to do what God says or not. But there are times that come when there are decisions to make when I have two things that I can choose and both are good. And that's when I need special instruction. All right, now back to the statement that I started to read from the book Desire of Ages, and this is page 363. 363, Desire of Ages. In all who are under the training of God is to be revealed a life that is not in harmony with the world, its customs, or its practices. And everyone needs to have a personal experience in obtaining a knowledge of the will of God. Who does? Everyone. We must individually hear Him speaking to the heart. Now, God puts thoughts into our minds. Our heart, of course, is, our, is a little deeper relationship than our mind. One's our mentality, and the other has to do with our, with our will, with our soul. We must individually hear him speaking to the heart when every other voice is hushed. When what? And in quietness we wait before him. The silence of the soul makes more distinct the voice of God. We've got to decide, first of all, if we want to do God's will when He reveals it to us and that we're willing to do His will and we must still every other voice. That means we're not going to listen to our friend. We're not going to listen 
to someone else. We're not going to listen to a brother or a sister or a relative. When it comes to our relation to God, then we must make that decision. But let me go a little step farther. If we're not already doing everything we know that God wants us to do, don't ask us His will and divine guidance. Don't ask Him His will and divine guidance. Are you following what I'm saying? There's a statement on page 700 or 476 of Great Controversy that I just want to add before I finish this. Four seventy-two. I'm sorry. Four seventy-two. Great controversy. And this is another statement. These statements have meant much in my own personal experience. Let none deceive themselves with the belief that they can become holy while willfully violating one of God's requirements. Look, folks. We are not going to be getting closer to God. We're not going to be developing character. We're not going to be covered with the righteousness of Christ if we're willfully doing what? Violating one of God's requirements. That means we have to be in total harmony with God. We have to be doing all we know that He's told us to do. And of course, he, it takes His grace to do that. The commission of a known sin silences the witnessing voice of the Spirit and separates the soul from God. It isn't how many sins we've committed that's important. It's the first sin that we commit. That's the one that separates us. And God will not hear anything but a prayer concerning that sin. I can pray about a lot of other things, but that one sin is the thing I'm going to have to straighten out. Because that's what I'm under conviction on. The Holy Spirit only convicts us of one thing at a time. And that's what we must take care of. And remember that every other voice is what? Hushed. And if I'm praying for God to guide me and I remember that I said something about somebody and he says to me, now you go and straighten that out. You better go straighten it out before you ask any more divine guidance. You follow step by step what the Holy Spirit teaches. You understand what I'm talking about? It's a step by step process. When every other voice is hushed and in quietness we wait before him, the silence of the soul makes more distinct the voice of God. There's what in the soul? Silence in the soul. I have satisfied the convictions of the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit comes in three ways. The first way the Holy Spirit comes, says He, when He's come, He will, what will He do? He'll convict of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. If you want to know righteousness, you have to first settle what? With sin. The first way the Lord speaks to us is telling us we're sinners and then we, uh, and of course with that comes power, with that comes repentance and we confess that sin and then he will tell us what? What righteousness is. He will show us what righteousness is. I've told my own personal experience and maybe sometime during this class I'll have, uh, have an opportunity to tell you I won't have time today. Uh, some of my own experiences and God's guidance and I was telling uh, one one time telling about an experience where the Lord had really spoken to my heart and he'd made it plain to me I was to do something and, and a woman came to me after and she said Brother Martin do you mean that the Lord speaks to you? I said yes he speaks to me doesn't he speak to you? and she said no I said didn't the Lord ever talk to you? she said no I said didn't the Lord ever tell you you were doing something that you shouldn't do? and she said oh yes 
Has the Lord ever told any of you you were doing something you shouldn't do? Well, who was that? That was the Holy Spirit. And when you settle that, there may be something else. I've gone through periods in my life when I had a lot of things to straighten out. And after I had straightened out all these convictions, then the Lord began to tell me what to do. And folks, it's the same voice that brings conviction that guides us. And the guidance comes when every other voice is what? Is hushed. Now, 668 of Desire of Ages says almost the same thing. Desire of Ages 668, just in a little different words, but exactly the same thought. As Christ lived the law in humanity, so we may do if we will take hold of the strong for strength. But we are not to place the responsibility of our duty upon others and wait for them to tell us what to do. We cannot depend for counsel upon humanity. Now, you know, we need to, we need to have counsel. We need to counsel with people. But folks, the final decision is ours. Will we all not understand that? The final decision is ours. Because we're going to have to answer for ourselves before God. We are not to place the responsibility of our duty upon others and wait for them to tell us what to do. We cannot depend for counsel upon humanity. The Lord will teach us our duty just as willingly as He will teach somebody else. If we come to Him in faith, He will speak His mysteries to us personally. Aren't you glad of that? Our hearts will often burn within us as one draws nigh to commune with us as he did with Enoch. Those who decide to do nothing in any line that will displease God will know after presenting their case before him just what course to pursue. Aren't you glad that that's a promise that God says that if we decide to do nothing in any line that will displease God, we will what? And folks, don't do it until you know. Those who decide to do nothing in any line that will displease God will what? Will know after presenting their case before Him just what course to pursue. I want you to know that God is trying to communicate with us. And the result of education is to know what? The voice of God. Now then, uh, people have gotten on to me a little bit about this divine guidance. And, and they said, well... Uh, uh, in fact, I've had people tell me, tell me, well, that's the purpose of the prophets, you know, to guide us. And I said, well, I didn't know about that. I know prophets have special guidance. There's no question. And then I found this statement, and this has been a real encouragement to me. This is page 487 of uh, Testimonies to Ministers. We have a divine audience to which to present our requests. Then let nothing prevent us from offering our petitions in the name of Jesus, believing with unwavering faith that God hears us and that he will answer us. Let us carry our difficulties to God, humbling ourselves before him. There is a great work to be done, and while it is our privilege to counsel together, we must be very sure in every matter to counsel with God. With who? For he will never mislead us. We are not to make flesh our arm. Now, what does that mean, to make flesh our arm? We're not to listen to people. We, now, we can counsel with people, but don't let them make decisions for you if you are in the place where you really want to know God's will. 
You're really willing, if you're willing to just let him do it, have his way with you. If we do, depending chiefly upon human help, human guidance, unbelief will steal in and our faith will die. Now this is a prophet, prophet talking. Listen. Frequently I receive letters from individuals telling me of their troubles and perplexities and asking me to inquire of God as to what is their duty. Did you ever say, I wish the prophet was here and I could go and ask the prophet what to do? Did you ever say that? Why, I have a lot of time. My, I wish I would go to the prophet and let the prophet tell me what to do. Well, now the prophet's talking to you. Listen. To those for whom the Lord has given me no light, I have often replied, I have not been appointed by God to do such a work as you asked me to do. The Lord has invited you to bring your troubles to the one who understands every circumstance of your life. 487. I shall not dishonor my Lord by encouraging people to come to me for counsel when they have a standing invitation to go to the one who is able to carry them and all their burdens. Now the prophet got messages for who? For the church. That's what the person... And for individuals provided they she got a special testimony. But if the prophet were here today and you were to go to her and the Lord hadn't shown you something special, she'd say, I'm sorry, I have, no, I have nothing for you. You go to the Lord yourself. And for divine guidance, I have just as much contact with God as the prophet had for personal guidance. Education, page 127. God communicates to us through the Holy Spirit and through angels. And this is one of my very favorite statements. This is page 127 of the book Education. And this is talking about how we can commune with God, how we can listen to the people of all ages. And this says, this is 127 Education, he may dwell in this world in the atmosphere of heaven, imparting to earth sorrowing and tempted ones thoughts of hope and longings for holiness, himself coming closer and still closer into fellowship with the unseen, like him of old who walked with God, drawing nearer and nearer the threshold of the eternal world, until the portal shall open and he shall enter there. He will find himself no stranger. The voices that will greet him are the voices of the holy ones who unseen were on earth his companions, voices that here he learned to distinguish and to love. We're going to recognize our guardian angels in heaven by their voices. And before we get through, we're going to have two of them. Did you know that? Well, after the shaking, the angels that are with those who are shaken out join those who are not shaken out and they're going to have two guardian angels, one on each side. And when we get to heaven, we're going to recognize them by their voices. Don't you think it's time we began to get acquainted with them now? Yeah. 127, education. Well, you'll find it in early writings, the chapter of the shaking, that they left. And uh, in volume 5, there's another statement, uh, Joshua and the angel, if you read that chapter. I'm not going to read all these to you. You have to read some of them yourself. Uh, find, find the chapter of Joshua and the angel and it says as the angels are going back and forth and putting the seal of God on those that are sealed it says now they have an angel on each side of them. You see now I have a bad angel on one side and a good angel on the other and, and they're both whispering in my ears. Do you have that kind of problem? 
Well, I'm glad then I'll have a good angel on each side. Aren't you glad of that? Well, I'll read you another statement, and this is by, this is page uh, this is volume uh, volume nine, page sixteen. It is impossible to give any idea of the experience of the people of God who should be alive upon earth when celestial glory and a repetition of the persecutions of the past are blended. They will walk in the light proceeding from the throne of God. What's going to join in the last days? What, what are two things? The persecutions of the past are repeated, blended with what? Celestial glory. I don't know anything about that, do you? I'm going to find out though. They will walk in the light proceeding from the throne of God by the means of the angels there will be constant communication between heaven and earth. By what? Well, aren't you glad of that? Will we need angels to guide us? Now, just one more thought. God has a plan for our lives. He's planned it from eternity. Our problem is to find that plan. All right, now let me give you this one little thing. Right now, you're all in God's plan. Would you agree with me on that? Did he know you were going to be here? Did he know you were going to do what you were going to do? Now, you may not have known. Some of you may here be here directly as a result of divine guidance. Some of you may have come through some other circumstance. I don't know, but you're here now. And this was my experience. When I came to the place to realize, when I realized that God had a plan for my life, and he pushed me around in all kinds of ways. And I used to say, if I really knew what God wanted me to do, nothing in the world could stop me. I could go through a war or anything else if I knew what I was doing, if I was doing what God wanted me to, couldn't you? Well, sure, nothing could stop us. All right, right now you're in God's plan. Just promise him you'll never make another move till he tells you what he's saying. Then we can't get out of it. You see, uh, the Lord didn't want Jonah to go through the whale, but he had a whale there for him. Now, you may be on a whale journey. I don't know. You understand? But you're where God knows you're going to be, and you're supposed to be here. Well, stay with him until he tells you to do something else. What do you say? Don't make another move until you know he wants you to do it. Because we know right now we're where God wants us. He knew we were going to be there. If he looked down and saw us, he saw us here, didn't he? All right. Don't make any more moves until you know he's guiding you. And he will make a plan to you. And let's get acquainted with with our guardian angels. What do you say? Because if we don't get acquainted with them, we'll never get there. We need that guidance. Because if we do get there, we're going to do what? We're going to recognize their voices. Now, I've heard... I've heard... The Lord speak to me many times. And uh, I told you, I tell you some experiences sometime. Our time's gone now. But I want to get well acquainted because the closer we get to the Lord, the more we get to know His plan, the more we get to know His will and His way, the more distinct that voice is going to be. And I want to come to the place where there's no question what God wants me to do. Isn't that what you want? No doubt at all. No detours. No, no turning aside. And... Uh, by the means of the angels, there's going to be constant communication between heaven and earth in the days that are ahead because we may not be as far from persecution as we think we are. Did you know that? 
When God gets us to the place where we are really following His will and we have a relation with Him, when Jesus is really living in our hearts and we have a testimony of power, something's going to happen pretty fast because the final movements will be what? Rapid ones. Okay. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.